0: chapter 5, creative title for today's passage, so I, I'm just calling today Levi's Call. It's what takes place in the passage, and we'll find it here in Luke 5, and we're going to study the entire passage, verses 27 to 39, because Levi's only really comes from a couple of the verses. Everything that follows in the remainder of the chapter happens as a reaction to Levi's call in this text. We'll talk about it more as we get into the message, but when Jesus approaches Levi, what happens is not what anyone would have expected to happen. Even Jesus' own disciples who were already following him could not have believed what they were about to witness. Of everything that Jesus might be expected to say to Levi, Levi, follow me would not be what anyone would have expected. And yet, that happens. Let's read about it in Luke chapter 5, verses 27, through the end of the chapter in verse 39. And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And they said unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but thine eat and drink? And he said unto them, can ye make the children of the bridechamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. And he spake also a parable unto them, No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeth not with the old." And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man, also having drunk old wine, straightway desireth new. For he saith, the old is better. As we study the word of God today, there are three different that I'd like you to visit with me from Luke 5, 27 to 39. And it'll speak to our hearts as we respond to God's word. Number one, I'd like you to see with me the conversion. A conversion in this passage. I I imagine that probably no one here has ever walked up to a total stranger and said to the stranger simply these words. Follow me. If you were to do that, I guess that people would respond in a variety of ways, not which would be to just start following you. Well, I decided to put this to the test. So, around town this week, I've been walking up to total strangers saying no, I'm just kidding. I've not done that. Some of you are giving me this look like, Pastor, please tell us you didn't do that. No, I didn't do it. It would be weird, wouldn't it? If someone were to do that to you and you didn't know them at all, they walked up to you and just looked you in the eye and said, follow me, you'd is the hero? What do they want for what are they trying to get from me? You'd probably think some pretty bad thoughts about that person. And yet Jesus, having killed the paralytic man at the house and says after these things, in verse number twenty-seven, he comes to The town, he's out and about, and he saw Levi. Now, do not gloss over that word too quickly, saw. Sometimes, when you're out and about in town, you're driving around, you see things. What I mean by that is simply, hopefully, you're driving and your eyes are open, okay? And your eyes are on the road, and sometimes something catches your eye and you glance and then look back at the road or whatever. That's not what this word means This word does not mean That Jesus was out and about You know he's walking down the road And glances over and sees Levi And goes on No the word saw here means To look closely at To look attentively In fact The Greek word that is translated Saw in this text Is the word that we get our English word Theater from It identifies the idea of gazing at with a purpose when jesus saw levi if i can say it this way he had an appointment with levi even if levi didn't know it levi was at work he was doing his business jesus had an appointment with levi even though it wasn't on levi's schedule for the day but jesus knew that it was However, this event went down at some point Levi looked up and locked eyes with Jesus and Jesus said follow me. Now I do not think that Jesus was a total stranger to Levi at this point. They may have never had a conversation. In fact, that's likely but at some point Levi saw Jesus. Maybe witnessed a miracle. Perhaps heard him teach or preach. And so when Jesus said, follow me, Levi had certainly some idea of what Jesus meant. This was the call that led to Levi's conversion. What all did this call involve? I, I would suggest three things. Number one... Levi received a call to believe. When Jesus locked eyes with Levi and said, follow me, first and foremost, Jesus was calling upon Levi to believe in him. Friends, mark it down. Following Jesus always begins with believing in him. You cannot genuinely claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ. What did that mean for Levi? For Levi, a call to believe meant that though he may not have understood it all as Jesus's other disciples did not then, Jesus called him to believe that he was israel's promised messiah jesus called him to believe him in that way i wonder today have you believed in jesus and i want to define very clearly what i mean i'm not asking you if you believe that jesus existed as a real historical figure lived a good life, maybe even did some good things or taught some beneficial principles, that he died somewhere at some time, and the list could go on. Can I tell you today, and I've shared his name before, so I'll do it again. My barber, who's been cutting my hair for several years, his name is Ed. He follows Islam. Can I say to you that Eddie believes that Jesus was a real historical figure? Eddie believes that Jesus did and said some good things. Eddie believes that Jesus died somewhere at some time. But I'll tell you what Eddie does not believe about Jesus, that you must believe to be saved. You must believe that he's the perfect son of God who came to this world lived a perfect life as the God-man, died on the cross as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, rose to life on the third day, and alone can forgive your sin and save you. So you might say to me today, well, I believe in Jesus. Okay, well, do you believe more than just he's a historical figure, that he did some good things, taught some good things, died somewhere at some time, You must believe he's the perfect son of God who died for your sin, was buried and three days later, rose again, and alone. No one or nothing else can forgive you of your sin and save you. That's what you must believe. In Acts 17, 30 to 31, Paul was preaching to the Athenians on Mars Hill. And here's what he said in that text. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Every person in every place at all times, God has commanded to repent. What does that mean? Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. Who is that? That's Jesus Whereof he hath given assurance unto all men. God has given us all assurance that Jesus is the one he ordained. How? In that he raised him from the dead. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He died for your sin. Was buried in three days' again. And God is going to judge every man, woman, and child by Jesus Christ. What does that mean? believed in Jesus. Paul preached, as I said, nearly 2,000 years ago that we have all been called to believe in Jesus. Jesus came, lived, and died for you. He paid the penalty for your sin at Calvary. God the Father poured his just wrath against sin on Jesus Christ so that you could have the opportunity to be saved, and then He rose from the dead. Believe in him. Levi received a call to believe. But beyond that, I'll show you secondly, Levi received a call to belong. When Jesus called Levi to follow him, it's not what people would have expected Jesus to say. You know, sometimes people say things to us that that we don't expect. It surprises us. It catches us off guard. My son and I have a beautiful relationship. We like to catch each other off guard at times by how we talk to each other and what we call each other. Yesterday afternoon, it came out from Michael to me in this form. He said, Daddy, you're a little miserable piece of cracker. I don't know exactly, he meant by that, but I wasn't what I was expecting to hear from him in that moment. Jesus looked at Levi and said these words, follow me. Not what anyone expected. I would doubt even what Levi expected to hear from Jesus in that moment. This is what Jesus said. And if Levi chose to follow Jesus, It was a call to believe and to belong. He would belong in two new ways. Number one, he would belong to Christ. Number two, he would belong to community. And here's what I want you to catch from this. As a tax collector, Levi was hated by everyone. You say, Pastor, I understand that. I'm not a big fan of taxes and the IRS and all that. But but it was very different for him in his day. ...of a number of Jewish tax collectors who collected taxes on behalf of the Roman government. If I could put this in perspective for for you, let's imagine, and and I hope this would be true of all of us, that we are patriots, that we love our country here in the United States of America. Let's say that one day we were invaded by a foreign power... Let's name one, okay? That could be a possibility. Let's say that we were invaded and overthrown by North Korea someday, okay? And that um, as they set up their government and ruling over us, that some Americans collaborated with them to collect your taxes to send to the North Korean government. How many of you would struggle with that? Similar. When Levi as a Jew collaborated with the Roman government to collect their taxes from his Jewish brethren, he was hated. He was a traitor. He, He, at that very moment, would have been ostracized from every aspect of Jewish social life. He could not... Regardless of what his reputation had been, he would immediately have been unable to give testimony in a court of Jewish law. He would not have any longer been able to be a part of the local synagogue. He was likely even disinherited, disowned by his family, and not able to participate in family functions with them. He was a shame to his family and to his heritage. He was hated. And yet, Jesus offered Levi something wonderful. His call, I want you to see this, his call demonstrated love, grace, and mercy beyond imagination. Something no one else had offered Levi. And if Levi accepted, he would belong first again he would belong to christ when a person trusts jesus christ as savior for salvation so much changes immediately and part of what changes immediately is you go from belonging to one master ultimately the devil to belonging to jesus christ You can search the New Testament for things that are true of those who belong to Jesus Christ. Even search out just this phrase, in Christ. And you'll find these realities as examples to those who are in Christ. You're redeemed. You're not condemned. You're free from the law of sin and death. You're inseparable from his love. You're approved. You're sanctified, wise, alive, triumphant, new, free, brought near partakers of god's promises saints consoled perfected i mean these are wonderful realities for those who are in christ jesus just a sample of what is true for those who belong to jesus christ when jesus said levi follow me he was inviting levi to belong to him and all that was true along with it. But notice, not only belong to him, belong to Christ, but also to belong to community. Levi was not the first nor the last disciple called to follow Jesus. When Jesus spoke to Levi and said, Follow me, he had other followers, didn't he? He had other disciples. When he said, Levi, come and follow me, he was inviting him to come and belong not only to him, but to that family, to that community of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. He was called into a community unlike any he had ever known or could ever know. I know Brother Kevin has been hitting on this in Sunday school class And I'll read it again today, Romans chapter 12 and verse 5. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members of one another. Listen, friends, one of the beautiful truths of following Jesus is that when you receive that call to follow Jesus first to believe, and then it's a call to belong, the reality is from them forward in life, you never walk alone because you are placed in christ you belong to him he never leaves you nor forsakes you but also you are placed into a community of other christ followers you have brothers and sisters you belong to a family we should be a place listen to me friends of belonging When people come and join this community, this local church body, just as Jesus extended a call to Levine, it was a call to belong. We should make sure that we here at Cornerstone make others feel as if they belong because this is a family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we should make sure we respond to each other that way. Can I also say for some, maybe you've not made yourself a part of the family. I don't just mean that maybe you've not trusted Christ, so that may be true. Maybe you have, but you're not faithfully making yourself part of the family. Don't miss out on that wonderful privilege that God's given us, to belong. Number three, not only did Jesus call Levi to believe and to belong, but I'll show you this, Jesus called Levi to become. Pastor, what do you mean by that? The call to follow was a call to accompany Jesus, to be in the same way with Jesus. That's what the word follow means. Come accompany me come be in the same way with me and it doesn't carry so much the idea of a geographic location hey if i'm walking down first Street, you make sure you're right behind me walking down first street behind me it's more the idea of growing to know and to be an imitator of to live like i live to do as i do to love like i love to- extend grace like I extend grace to show mercy like I show mercy to give like I give that is what it means to follow so when Jesus called Levi come follow me it was a call to believe it was a call to belong it was a call to become more like me every day following Jesus leads to becoming more like him And if you are truly following Jesus, you will be looking more like him the longer you follow him. If you are truly accompanying him in the same way with him, you should be growing in all of those ways, living, giving grace, mercy, loving in all of those ways more and more the longer you follow him. To become more like him. Can I ask you this morning, have you heeded the call? Have you believed? Do you belong? Are you becoming more and more like Jesus? All of this is wrapped up in his call. And when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior through believing... You now belong to a family. You belong to Him. You belong to the community of the brethren. And you should be becoming more like Him. I want you to see, secondly, this morning, not only the conversion that we see in the text, but I want you to see the change. And this comes out in verse number 29. Primarily, He was called to believe to belong to become. And by the way, did you see what he did? What did Levi do? Verse 28. He rose up, he left all, and followed Jesus. If you were to name the disciple of Jesus among the 12 who gave up the most, Levi would probably be the top of that list. But perhaps we would also say in some ways he was the one who gained the most. Regardless, he he gave up everything to follow Jesus. And a change in his life took place. And I wonder, how did that show up most? How was Levi changed? He changed in many ways. But I would say one particular change showed up immediately, and it's the change found in verse 29. Look at the verse again with me. And Levi made him a great feast. Okay, who is him in the text? It's Jesus. And Levi made Jesus a great feast in his, Levi's own house. And it says there was a great company of publicans and others that sat down with them. What's going on here? listen to me carefully. Levi is doing this. Has he hosted dinners before? Probably. Has he hosted parties before? Probably. I would even say to you that likely in an effort to fill the void, that that came true in his life when he collaborated with the romans and became a traitor to his people and was ostracized to fill that void levi probably did things like this regularly to try to find a community with others like him publicans tax collectors and, and others like that now he's he's giving another dinner he's hosting another party but who's he giving it for jesus why i'll tell you why this is levi's way of letting everybody else know who jesus was who jesus was to him how jesus had changed his life with the simple call follow me That's what the feast was all about. Pastor and author David Guzik noted about this text that a saved man doesn't want to go to heaven alone. That's what was going on here. Levi wanted all of these friends to know who Jesus was to him. And I ask you the question today, who are you taking to heaven with you? Who are you working to take to heaven with you? Who are you praying to take to heaven with you? And I'm going to pause right now and say, you say, Pastor, I'm not sure I could name anybody right now that I am taking... To heaven with me And you know what The fruit is of God But I'll say this If you can't name someone you're working To take to heaven with you Or praying to take to heaven with you Something is missing Desperately in your life As a believer in Jesus Christ A follower of Jesus Christ You and I need to understand That more than anything else our purpose here in this world is to show others the way to heaven, just like we were shown the way to heaven, to help them to find the way, just like we were helped to find the way. God is going to give the, free, but you and I are to be the laborers, to be the ones out working the field to harvest. How do we do that? We could spend all day. Night there. We've talked about different ways. Can I give you something from the text? Don't overlook the simple, practical ways that you can use to work to take people to heaven with you. What did Levi do? He had a dinner and invited people to come to dinner. You you say, Pastor, really? Yes. Why did he do it? To say, hey, guys, this man is, his name is. Jesus, and this is who he is to me. He is the Messiah. Believe him. Can I ask you, can you host a neighbor, a co worker, a classmate for a meal? Do you understand that that simple activity can be a catalyst to introducing someone to Jesus? And then I want you to see, thirdly, finally, the contention. Man, the rest of the text is all about contention. I told you last week when we studied the paralytic that a transition takes place in Jesus' ministry, do you remember? Before that time, I don't see the, the Pharisees present too much when Jesus is teaching and working. But here now earlier in Luke chapter 5 they're showing up from all over Israel including the great Sanhedrin in Jerusalem and they're investigating Jesus. But when Jesus heals that paralytic before healing him he said what? Your sins are forgiven. And then he addressed the Pharisees, the religious leaders in the crowd because in their hearts they're thinking this is who they think he is No one can forgive sins but God. That was correct. No one can forgive sins but God. The the, the error they made was in seeing Jesus as just a man because he's not just a man. He's God. He had the right and authority to forgive sins. And Jesus says, you want me to show you that I've got the right and authority? Let me heal this guy. Well, from that point on, they're no longer... Simply investigating Jesus. Now they're following him around to antagonize him. They're looking to discredit him, and later they'll look to destroy him. And so here's what happens in verses 30 through 32, they question his associations. Look at verse 30. But the scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, I find this interesting. They don't attack Jesus directly, do they? Do you see that? Who are they questioning here in verse 30? The disciples. They're talking to Peter and James and John and the others. Hey, why, why are you guys eating with publicans and sinners? The Jewish religious leaders here, the, who would be Jesus' most ardent Human adversaries sought to discredit him to his own followers. And friends, can I say to you that there are going to be times in your life and in mine that the enemy is going to attack you by attacking the one you follow? Do you see that? How can you follow this man? He's leading you to places where you're eating with publicans and sinners often those who contend with jesus will act this way they'll not contend with jesus directly but with his followers and the enemy's going to do the same in in your life he'll use different tools and resources and methods to discredit jesus to you and notice this why were the disciples there with jesus was jesus there so who led them there Jesus did You'll often face attack in the very place Where you're following Jesus So expect it You following Jesus in a particular area In a particular place To a particular place In a particular activity Expect to be attacked there Right? Now, how did it play out? They questioned the disciples who were following Jesus. They questioned why they were associating with publicans, tax collectors and traders, as well as known sinners. The disciples didn't give the answer, though. Who did? Jesus, verses 31 and 32. See it again. And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are wholly not a physician, but they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, this is familiar to us. Jesus revealed that he came for those who recognized her, their need for him. And who is that? Those sickened in, with, and by sin. Those who have come to that place in their life. Was Jesus identifying that there are some who are truly righteous and some who aren't? No. Even the Pharisees he was talking to were not truly righteous, but they saw themselves as righteous, didn't they? They didn't see themselves as sick with sin. Jesus came for those who see their need for him. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for those who are sick, who know they're sick, and know they can't do anything to alleviate or cure their sickness. In answering this way, Jesus identified why he and his disciples were associating with publicans and sinners. To bring them to salvation. Can I say this very carefully? We cannot be afraid to associate with sinners for the sake of reaching them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I read from John 17 earlier for a particular purpose. God has called us to to go into the world with a genuine life-sharing and giving relationship that allows for gospel conversation and, and invitation to take place. Listen to how he said the Great Commission according to Mark in 1615. And he said unto them, "'Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature.'" go and into are really important words in the text. We're to go into the world. In John 17, 18, that prayer we read earlier, Jesus prayed this, as thou hast sent me into the world, what? Even so have I also sent them into the world. They said, how dare you associate with publicans and sinners? Jesus said, I'm doing so because they're supposed to reach. We need to understand that we can't be afraid of those associations when we are seeking to reach them for Jesus Christ. Notice this. Secondly, they questioned his activities. They questioned his activities specifically related to fasting. This is fascinating. If you read through the Old Testament, the Old Testament only required one fast of the Jews on the Day of Atonement. That was the only fast. God said, you need to fast on this day. But by the time Jesus was on the scene, there were several additional fasts. That had become traditional in Judaism. In fact, many of these Pharisees likely participated in a typical Pharisee custom of fasting two days a week on Monday and Thursday. They would fast every Monday and Thursday. But Jesus spoke about this in Matthew 6. It was because of the way this became not a point of piety, but pride, that Jesus took issue with it. Because those Pharisees who fasted on Mondays and Thursdays would go out into public and make sure everybody knew, I'm fasting today! Look how holy I am! Instead of being about piety, it became about pride And so when they questioned Jesus about his activity, Jesus answered them with two, excuse me, three illustrations. A wedding feast, a patch of new garment on an old garment, and putting new wine into worn bottles. And these illustrations seem to be primarily geared to two applications. Number one was this. Jesus was present with his followers. If you go to a wedding feast... Now, we don't do weddings the same way they do. A wedding celebration, do you know how long it lasted in their culture? Days. Usually a week, okay? And they would have the wedding ceremony, they would have all that goes along with it, the feasting, and it would go on an ongoing party for days, okay? Now, you've probably not, been to a wedding recently or at any time in your life where you were invited for the wedding ceremony at 11 o'clock on Saturday and stay with us for the party until next and gotten that kind of an invitation no I didn't think so but we do understand don't we typically when you go to a wedding what follows the ceremony a reception and what's at the reception food You don't get to a wedding, have a ceremony, get invited to a reception and told, all right, now we're going to stay here together and fast for the next 12 hours. You experienced that before? Me either. No, you're going to get food. And if you were honest, many of you have been to weddings before where that's the reason you went, okay? For the food. Jesus said, I'm here. I'm the bridegroom Don't expect them to fast When they should be feasting Jesus also then uh, Provided for he, he, He showed them That his presence Produced something Joy Listen friends Jesus may not be physically present with us and we do experience difficulties in life But we should remember that he has provided for us to have and practice joy That's what jesus was trying to drive home to them And then secondly jesus Presented the kingdom of god through the lens of the new covenant. What were they looking for? In a messiah they were looking for someone to come and revive judaism They recognize, yes, Judaism has some problems, and mostly it's these publicans and sinners here. The Messiah is going to show up. He's going to say to us Pharisees, hey, good job, guys. Way to tote the line. And he's going to deal with the publicans and sinners. And Jesus says, you've got it all wrong. Just like you wouldn't take a patch of new garment and put it on an old because both will end up ruined. Just like you wouldn't put it in, take new wine and put it in an old worn bottle because both will end up ruined, I haven't come to revive the old but to do something new. Jesus was the author of the new covenant. He came not to reform the outward appearance of religion and ritualism, which is what they wanted. He came to transform the corrupt human heart. And at the same time, Jesus identified man's natural tendency to resist change. That's why he said in verse number 39, if you've already had the old wine, you resist the new because you say the old is better. Jesus was not saying here that that's a good perspective to take. He was telling the Pharisees, you're making a mistake in doing that. I've come to do something new. I've come to offer something new. Not that the law and all of that was outside of God's command. I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. But I didn't come just to reform your ritualism and your religion. I came to transform the corrupt human heart because that is the ultimate problem. And no amount of law, no amount of covenant is going to fix that problem. And that's why I'm here. But there's something you and I can learn from that. Listen to me, friends. Jesus' work in your life and mine represents a work of transformation, not reformation. Listen, he's not looking to correct you. He's looking to change you. He wants to make you brand new. But then, even today, Jesus' work in the building of God's kingdom will take on forms that may seem unusual, new, or different to us. We need to be careful about resisting change or difference simply because it's change or different. And that's natural for us, isn't it? How many of you have ever said, I don't like change. I don't like different. Right? We've got to be careful. Use wisdom. Sometimes old is better. But there are times, just like Jesus identified to the Pharisees, where new is better. And that is what God is working through and using to accomplish his purpose in this world. All of this came about because Jesus went to Levi and said something that nobody expected Follow me. We've seen a conversion, a change contention here in Luke chapter 5 perhaps at some point in this passage God has spoken to your heart about a need in your life if he has would you respond today with heads bowed and eyes closed maybe today that need is salvation conversion do you know Jesus Christ as your savior maybe you're here in this auditorium today or watching by way of the internet and the truth is that you don't know Jesus. Today, would you believe in Christ? More than just he lived at some point, did some good things, taught some good things. In fact, believing those things won't help you at all but believing that he's the perfect son of God who came to die for your sin, was buried and three days later rose again, and that he alone can save and forgive you, that is different. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. These are things the Bible says And if you'll believe today, you can be saved. Believer in Jesus Christ, do you understand today you belong to him? You belong to community? Do you understand today that he wants to work in your life to make you more and more like him? Are you growing in that way? Is the change in your life being demonstrated through the work you're doing to take someone to heaven with you, the praying you're doing to take someone to heaven with you. Let's be obedient to the Lord today.